0: Hello and welcome back to the Life and Nurse podcast. We've been away for about two weeks and there's obviously been a lot that's happened over the last two weeks, so plenty to talk through on this podcast. There is a bit of news that I might be a little bit behind, so I apologize if you've heard this news before, but hopefully I can give you my spin on some of the things that have happened in the beginning of January. <clears throat> I'll start off with something that was announced um, you know uh, it was announced uh, uh, let's call it a month ago but i wanted to um kind of give you my thoughts on this announcement which was that brightling announced that they have acquired the uh, the essentially the, the company or the name universal Genève. um this is a big um big step fi- by brightling to acquire this brand that is extremely well known <clears throat> um in in the uh, in the watch world, I'd, I'd say it's probably less known by those um, by those who are not as familiar with vintage watches because um, they didn't really um, you know they haven't really produced anything too significant in the um, in the modern arena. But um, Brightling ended up uh, you know th- th- kind of you give you some details on the actual story. University Geneve was, was owned by a Hong Kong-based, uh, basically I think it's a, 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 a financial group called St- Steelix Group. And um, Univers- Breitling ac- uh, approached them and made an offer to purchase the rights to University Geneve and its uh, manufacturing of watches. And they ended up spending about, uh, I think it was 69 or 70 million US dollars to acquire the brand. This is a big... Um this is a large amount of money to acquire um not a whole lot. <clears throat> um University of Geneva is not was not sort of operating <laughs> operating and creating pieces. I apologize, I got a little bit of a cough. <coughs> um and so what they really were acquiring is the name and the history of this brand. Now um for me as a vintage watch enthusiast, I am extremely excited about this acquisition. I have been a huge fan of universal geneve it was actually one of i've, I've done a video on this on, on our youtube channel it was one of my favorite it was one of the brands that i fell in love with at the get-go of, of vintage watches and this was because i loved the general aesthetics about the watch they fit my wrist really really nicely and um i found that the movements were also really beautiful to look at the The Unicompaxes and Tricompaxes is really well manufactured and um, a really nice movement to to look at. I also really loved their Tricompaxes where you had multiple complications on the dial, and that was really exciting to me. So the fact that this brand might have sort of a resurrection is really exciting to me, but obviously I'm cautiously optimistic because um, there's a lot of ways that this acquisition can go. I really hope that Breitling and I—I'm and sure that they will, will um, take this brand and hopefully pay a lot of respect to its heritage. I only spoke about the chronographs, but you can also think about things like the pole routers and the golden shadows that Universal Genève produced. And these are all significant watches in the in sort of the vintage world. And I hope that Breitling sort of brings them, um, you know, brings these um, really significant pieces to life for the brand. I expect them to come out probably with the chronograph first being that it's probably the most iconic um, or perhaps a pole router that could also be something that m- might do um, some people are uh, scared that Breitling is just going to take maybe one of their movements and put it in a university of case and call it a day um, I don't think that that's what they'll do I think they'll be a little bit more thoughtful just given the um, significance of this brand and also I think the failed attempt at doing something like that with the previous owners um, they did produce some watches, I think, in the nineties and t- early two thousands, but they were nothing interesting, and really didn't pay a lot of homage to, um, to uh, to um, the the brand. What was really cool is the uh, chairman and CEO of the Steelix Group actually made a little bit of a quote, where he, and I'll read it to you. Um, we're convinced that Breitling is the best is best position to take Universal Jet to the next level as it has so successfully done with its own mark, marquee. When stewarding a maison d'orlogie of this stature, preserving its heritage is topmost concern. The management in Breitling has demonstrated that it is 100% committed to ensuring the universe never live, lives on, not just in name but in spirit. And I think that was a really nice sort of way of putting it, and I really hope that Breitling um, does exactly that. Moving on, um, oh, I'll leave links in the show notes to all these as I always do, and for every one of these episodes. Moving on, I wanted to talk about a pretty cool auction that's coming up, um, which is uh, being hosted by Christie's, beginning on February twenty first. They're going to be holding a series of eight sales, auctioning property from Elton John's former home in Atlanta. They've titled it uh, the Goodbye Peachtree Road Sale, um, and. Really is selling an eclectic collection of photographs art fashion costumes, and of course, I wouldn't be talking about it if there weren't a few watches being sold um there are thirty one pieces that are going to be sold during this auction um and are an extremely cool sort of variety of pieces um i'll I'll walk through a couple the first i think which really resembles um, um really resembles i think Elton John's charisma is the Rolex Leopard Daytona, which is the reference one one six five nine eight eight S A C O. That was released in two thousand four. Uh, the watch um, The watch has obviously a leopard print dial, leopard print strap, and has a, a large amount of. Uh, or 48 diamonds on the lugs, thirty-eight or 36 orange sapphires on the bezel, and um, it's a real statement. Uh, it's a big piece, very loud, um, but uh, that's one of the pieces that I think resembles him really well. Another one is a Cartier uh, crash from 1991. It was a limited edition of 400 that were manufactured, um, and... Um, and obviously, one of these is is one of El, is is Elton John's, and I think it fits again his personality really well. Um, Cartier crashes have become extremely popular, so I'm sure that this one will do extremely well. Um, another piece that's going to be selling is a custom Cartier normal Cartier tank tank normal from Cartier Paris with twenty baguette diamonds on the bezel and another sixty blue baguette sapphires on the dial. Um, this is, as I mentioned, a, a custom Cartier piece that was manufactured. So, um, unlikely that there are others that have this sort of configuration. Being limited edition and being owned by previously owned by Elton John, I think will probably um, probably have a significant um, sort of impact on its price. Elton John also has quite a few interesting pieces. Um, these are just some of the pieces that I wanted to mention. He has a really nice um, sort of collection of pieces that are going to be sold there's a um, Frank miller um, perpetual calendar chronograph, reference seven hundred there's another diamond set chronograph from Frank Miller. There is a really beautiful, in my opinion, one of the nicest uh, pieces in the collection a, a Vacheron. Jalou, ja, jalousie le historique with a shutter case that sort of closes and allows the time to sort of be hidden. I saw one in the Vacheron Constantin Museum, and I think this is another uh, really nice example. There are diamonds on the outside of the watch as well. Of course, uh, there's a very interesting Lange Saxonia big date that I thought was quite interesting. For you know, if you look at the makeup of the collection, he's obviously um, very thoughtful on his pieces. Uh, so very, very interesting to see there. There is, um, there's a Audemars Piguet Royal Oak with some blue sapphires and a a light blue dial. A real, um, a real variety in this collection, and I think they'll all do well being provenance, being that the provenance of Elton John are attached to these pieces. I think it's no secret that Elton John is probably one of the most iconic, um, one of the most iconic musicians, one of the most iconic public figures out there. So, um, so exciting to see, excited to see what's going to take place there. There is going to be a public exhibition from the 9th to the 21st at Christie's, New York in Rockefeller Center. So if you want to see some of these pieces and you're in the New York area, I highly recommend you go and check it out. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Tony Trena um, at Hodinkee who did a really nice photo report about the original Miami Beach antique show where he showcased some of the pieces that were that were spotted. Um, there were also some really nice, uh, some very interesting panels. Uh, Tony actually moderated one of them. Yeah. Uh, he was a moderator at the show. And so I think it was a really nice photo report, some really cool pieces that were being sold. He's a big fan of the Vacheron Constantin reference 4072 chronograph. He saw a really nice pink-gold example with pulsation dial um, that was um, fresh to market at Menta Watches, which was really nice. Um, there were a lot of Cartiers there that he photographed. A really nice John Player Special, a Patek Philippe reference twenty four ninety nine. There was a platinum Tang uh, tray that was um, being sold at Monaco Legend Group. Oh, excuse me, all three of those were, were part of Monaco Legend Group's um, sale. Plenty of Rolexes, uh, some pl- plenty of interesting dialed Rolexes. Uh, John Goldberger was um, checking out some of his, was uh, was was at the show and wearing um, two Cartier London maxi ovals. Uh, that were extremely beautiful. The photo report really has um, a great variety of um, watches and showcases the the. Um, the show really, really nicely. So uh, check out the article, I'll leave a link in the show notes to it so you can see some of the pieces that were spotted, because it really is worth taking a look at um, all of those, uh, <clears throat> all the pieces in the, and the, um, and the photo report that Tony Traina put together. Omega also released the Dark Side of the Moon Apollo 8, um, there were um, a couple of changes that they made to this specific watch. Uh, there obviously have been Dark Side of the Moon, um, Apollo 8s that have sold previously, but this one has kind of had a facelift where they now are uh, Meta certified and they've changed the way that they finish the pieces. That's really elevated the, these watches um, quite significantly. One um, other really kind of interesting um Interesting feature of this watch is the fact that the um, seconds hand is no longer a seconds hand, but it is actually a, uh, instead of having sort of the traditional seconds hand, um, it is a 3D structure of um, the Saturn uh, V rocket that is featured at 9 o'clock. This is a, a kind of a cool feature, or something a little bit different um, than what you see traditionally in these pieces. Um, I think it's an interesting release from them. I am afraid that they, if they continue to release the Dark Side of the Moon Apollo, Apollo Eight or or just these these watches, it's going to be a little bit mundane. I think some people are getting that sort of Speedmaster fatigue, and the market has sort of shifted away from them. But um, who knows? It's a it's a nice piece and uh, worth taking a look at. Another really cool piece that I really really like uh is uh, one one from timex which was um, their classic Marlin uh, has been released uh, with a really beautiful uh it's called the Marlin jet automatic that has um, a minimal sleek and very very stylish design to it with a silver tone dial um, hands are really nice uh with 24-hour sub dial that's situated at nine o'clock and i think for for timex to release something like this for 289 dollars it's really very hard to beat um, something like this uh, for a everyday piece everyday watch um, that you kind of don't really mind banging around it looks beautiful and i really love love these pieces so big shout out to timex for that piece The last release I wanted to discuss was uh, a launch uh, that launched on January 11th, which was an all-black variation of the Blancpain Swatch Scuba 50 um, line of watches that they released. This one is called the Ocean of Storms. As I mentioned, it's a completely blacked out um, Scuba 50 uh, Swatch. If you don't know, Blancpain and uh, Swatch collaborated to release Uh, version of their um, 50 fathoms in the similar sort of style that the moon swatch was released in each of them representing an ocean Um, one of the oceans on 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 earth this one it has an interesting name oceans of storms Uh, this one is supposed to represent the lunar sea known as oceanus proclerium which is a two million square kilometers sea on the moon. Uh, so that's kind of the sixth ocean that they're um, discussing here, or they're kind of taking inspiration here for this piece. An interesting piece, I think. All blacked out um, watches are um, obviously desirable by collectors. I think this might be an interesting piece to add, um, and I and I think they'll do. They did pretty well with this um, with this specific piece. So that is it for today's episode. As I mentioned, there will be links in the show notes of this podcast to all of the uh the things that we've spoken about. So if you want to check out some of the pictures of the, the pieces that we've discussed as well as read about some of the um some of the articles as well as checking out the photo report of the um that Tony Trainer put together for the um for the Miami Antique Show, I, I highly recommend you do so and you can check out the show notes for all of that. If you are new to Life and There's podcast, be sure to follow us so you are notified when we release our episodes. We release an episode every Tuesday, so it's fairly regular um, where we cover the last week in watches. If you wouldn't mind liking this podcast, it really does help me out. And if you want to mind rating us, um, that really does give me some interesting feedback that I can take and, and iterate on these podcasts as we go forward. Um, so uh, I, I, um, I encourage you to do so. Um, and if you have any thoughts on these things, be sure to any, – any thoughts on the things we've discussed at this podcast, you can hit us up on our social medias or on our website at lifeandtheres.com. There will be links to our socials in the uh, show notes if you want to check out our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's all there. Or I guess X. It's all there. So um, you can head over to the show notes for all of that. With that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.